Bart, I want you to shake hands with, what's your name, fella? Roscoe. Roscoe here runs this mill. He's going to show us around and let you get a first-hand look at real All-American Joes doing what they do best. Why the hell would I want to see that? You'll thank me on your wedding night. Hey, listen up. I want all of you to say hello to the Simpsons. Hello! Has the whole world gone insane? Stand still. There's a spark in your hair. Get it, get it. Get it. <laughs> Hot stuff coming through. Dad, why did you bring me to a gay steel mill? I don't know. This is a nightmare. You're all sick. Oh, be nice. Oh, my son doesn't stand a chance. The whole world's gone gay. Oh, my God. What's happening now? We work hard. We play hard. Four finger discount, dude. Welcome to a four finger discount. I am Dando. I am Mitch. I thought I'd throw you off there. I usually say the uh, the episode name first, but you, you you got me straight away. You were right on the ball. Yeah, well, you know, I I only listen for the words "I am Dando." The rest of what you say, I don't really pay much attention to. But <laughs> when when "I am Dando" rings, it's like a it's like Pavlov's dog. I just snap in a gear. You was, did indeed. I was going to say that I am flaming Mitch, but didn't work out. <laughs> this week we are here to review. Homophobia. I just want to start by saying this episode is dedicated to the steel workers of America. Keep reaching for that rainbow, guys. So you want to start by stealing a joke from the end of the episode? That's good. I do. We're yes. off to a, we're off to a flyer. Is yes. That, <laughs> are there any other twenty-year-old jokes that you want to make today? Now, homophobia. This is a monumental episode, isn't it? It is, and it was thankfully as good as I wanted it to be. I was a I was a little afraid that you know going and watching it with modern eyes that it wouldn't stack up that um, that it might be a little you know that what's considered progressive of the time might have been considered cringeworthy by today's standards but I felt like by and large it was um, it was really really well handled I do have a I, I do have one issue with it that we'll get to, and I also noticed one other moment of, in an episode that's very, very progressive, there's another moment where another minority gets absolutely railroaded. But anyway. I think this episode was actually better than I remembered it being. I was so happy that that was the case, like you said. like I, I was similar. I went into it thinking, oh, God, I hope it's not going to be a lot of just dated jokes that just come across very cringeworthy. But no, mm-hmm. it was just handled beautifully. What's remarkable, though, is that this episode actually it almost never happened, which is astonishing for so many reasons. But Fox, apparently, their original notes, after two pages of notes, just simply said, this is not suitable for broadcast. That's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling now. Yeah. I, I mean, Fox has always been... I don't know if it's always been, but I think of, it's probably more Fox News than Fox Entertainment. But, like, I don't know. They're not necessarily the most progressive network out there, and I feel like they just would have looked at it when it's going to cause controversy we don't want controversy at best or at worst maybe there were just some homophobes in the censorship department that didn't want it going to where i think it was just a case of they were just afraid of the backlash and they just didn't want to have to put up with it whether they agreed with it or not they just didn't want to have to hear the backlash yeah it could have been that i i mean that's still cowardly but i would prefer it to be that than the other option 
Hmm. It truly was. Like 1997, this, it was groundbreaking television, really, which I'm not too sure even the Simpsons staff or even John Waters at the time knew they were doing that. I mean, John Waters in a recent interview I saw on YouTube this week that he said he didn't understand the, the show's influence until children started approaching him because they recognized his voice from the show and, and just the way he looks because the design is almost spot on with John Waters, like the mustache mm. and things like that. This, the Simpsons really like arguably was one of, if not the most powerful show on television in terms of social influence, it, it, particularly episodes even like Lisa the Vegetarian. That sort of, I feel like that started a generation of vegetarians where, or it sort of opened people's eyes to it. But what this episode did for me, anyway, not not saying this for everyone, but for me, started a generation of gays. It introduced me to a homosexual character who was happy being who he was and wasn't existing purely to be the butt of the jokes of the straight people. And it told kids and adult viewers around the world that, A, there's nothing wrong with homosexuality, and B, we shouldn't be judging somebody based purely on their sexual orientation. Did uh, did we want to briefly brush on John Waters? Do you think, um, would there be people oh, I've got, out there? I've, I've got a whole thing about John Waters. that We'll get into him in a minute, don't you worry. Okay, okay. Well, well, <laughs> I, I, uh, I'll... I'll make sure I shower. You, you brought you brought him up. So John Waters, he's known for being he's like the, the king of trash. You know what I mean? Like, so mm-hmm. tell the the listeners who may not know who John Waters is. What is he known for? What, what did he bring to the table? Um. Well, Hairspray was both directed and was in Hairspray. As I have a quick look through his filmography, he also that was act- one of his that was one of his big ones. But that came a little bit later. He was known for making midnight trash films, basically. Real cult. They got a real cult following. Yes. What's the there's a bunch of flamingo ones, pink flamingos, kitty flamingos, and uh, is there another flamingos? I think that's the two of them. I'm not too sure, but he's someone who's just not ashamed of being who he is at all, is he? No, he's not. Now he's someone who I've not had a huge amount, if any, uh, experience with. As I look through his filmography, I don't think I've actually watched anything with John Waters in it. Oh, except he was in an episode of Frasier. But aside from that, uh, I've never actually seen any of his any of of his work. But um, that doesn't stop me, even though the like the recognition isn't there for me. Just the quality of his work in this episode is really, really phenomenal. It's I I love that he's sort of the perfect. Well, I don't know about perfect. Perfect's the wrong word. Uh, in that I don't want to imply that any one is better than the other, but he is the right side of camp. Like, it's not so over the top that it's like they're just playing a character. He's a very believably happy, camp, flamboyant gay man. Sometimes it feels like there's an affectation going on, whereas John's character felt, uh, for want of a better term, like he just wanted to be one of the girls. Like, he would have been super happy... Uh, like sitting around the um co- the dining table with Marge having a coffee was probably the you know the the perfect fit for him, but he'd be equally happy out at a nightclub or shopping for antiques. So you can, you're sort of saying the other sort of campiness. Would you say that's sort of the way they portray the steel mill workers here? Uh, yes that that is like the ultimate version of camp where. None of the gay people that I am that I know or am friends with have ever really been that flamboyant. Like when I see that, like Mardi Gras gay, that feels like it's, um, you know, that's what's. I feel like uh, they're, they're being someone they're not when they're doing that. 
I don't want to generalise. I'm sure some people aren't. Ah, uh, yeah, I know. But a lot of the time I see those things and I sort of think, are you really like that or are you just doing that because you feel like you have to? I don't know. I just don't understand that kind of aspect of it. I think it. sometimes it's just fun to embrace in the same mm. way that I would embrace being a Bogan at a Bon Jovi concert. Like, yeah. it's just yep. when you're in the environment, you're like, well, it's time to go. Well, see, I was raised with two gay uncles. Both of my dad's brothers are gay. One's passed away now, but the other one's my uncle Darren, who I consider my best friend, essentially. And so, homosexuality, it's never felt different to me. I've never sort of no. understood how it could be seen that way, but I can understand how it is by the way people are raised. But to me, it's just always been normal. Yeah, I, I truly loathe anyone that puts anyone down for being homosexual or th- judges them or looks down their nose or thinks that they have anything to hide or fear or anything along those lines. Like, I, I think that is one of the more um, dis- kind of despicable some, and I say despicable, it may not even be intentional, as you said. It may just be the way that they were raised. But I feel like it is a really sickening response to a perfectly natural uh, state of being. you got to understand, though, sometimes it's hard because when someone's being raised a particular way, it takes time to change them. Yeah, I know. Especially, but- when, especially when the majority of society, at the time, believed that way. I'm talking about like 70s, 80s, which to me, I just cannot wrap my head around how that could ever be considered the right thing to do. Yeah, and as you would well know with me, that there's not too many times that I've ever copped, oh, but that's just the way the majority of society thought for any excuse or reason. Like, you know, you've all, you, we're all people. We're all individuals. We've all got brains and feelings of our own. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's... that's And that will lead into... The, the one thing that I did have a hard time with watching this episode is that having Homer embody the homophobic... Uh, not just character in this episode, but like he, a lot of the arguments he he makes in this are a lot of the arguments that you might still see on Facebook to this day. No one's really yeah. evolved in what their problems with homosexuality are. And I had a hard time watching a character that I love say a lot of things that I really hated to hear. That was, that like, I don't know what the... I don't necessarily know what the solution would have been. Um, Like, you couldn't have written a brand new character in, but I just would have preferred if they could have manufactured some way that it was Homer being more of a bystander and not engaging in sticking up for someone who was gay and then coming around to the end of it rather than being the one who was super anti-gay or hurtful, mean, for no reason whatsoever. It was just difficult to watch someone that I you know, a character that I've come to love so much, be a dick. And not just like a dick in a bad husband way, but like in a really bad human being kind of way. I still think they kind of rode the line well though, where what he was saying was unlikable, but I don't think he became an unlikable person because you can still, from his, where he stands in, you know, in the, in Springfield, in society, you can kind of understand why he would think that way, whether it's right or wrong. Because see, Homer's, no one on the show, they've never had to face an openly gay per- character before. I mean, he isn't a monster for thinking the way he did. And it was like, by the end of the episode, he came around. No, one, The other characters hadn't. They kind of had, but they hadn't. By other characters, you, Mo- you're Mo referring and to Mo and Barney. Yeah, I was going to say, because no one else had a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, that we saw anyway. Yeah. Um, I don't think he be, was an unlikable person. He was a likable person who thought things that he'd never known anything otherwise. He just always believed, he'd always been taught to think that was the way to think. And it took time and it being thrown in his face to realise this that isn't right and he eventually learned. But he also was worried that his son was gay and tried to change him. 
So, yeah, but that, by, by the end, he didn't. He, by the end, he said, "You can be whoever you want to be." Yeah, which is fine. The end is fine. But all the way up until the last two minutes, he does very little that's easy to like. Does that make him an unlikable person? Yeah, if in the confines of this episode, yes, it's a very un, it's a very unlikable side of his personality that we hadn't seen before. If your dad did this, would you therefore not like your dad? If he made, for example, made if your dad made racist jokes, would your would you not like your dad because that's the wrong way to think, or would you just go that's just the way they were back in nineteen seventies and eighties Australia? No, I wouldn't accept that. That's just the way they were. Um, whether or not it's enough for me to completely write him off as a person, and I'm not completely writing off Homer either, but I just meant that as purely as a viewer, it was not something that I want to watch. One of my, I, I probably, as in a way, what you just asked is a good analogy in that I felt like I was at the table at Christmas Day and someone in my family was making a racist joke, and I was looking at you going, looking at them going, yeah, I know you've done all lots and lots of good things and we've shared lots and lots of good times, but you're kind of being a detestable dick at the moment and I don't really want to have anything to do with you. This is awkward. Yeah, it's a, it, I've been in that situation before as well when you just sort of, you just don't contribute to the conversation because you don't want to even fuel the fire because you know if you throw an opposing train of thought at them, they're just going to get even more fucking racist. Mm. Uh, one of my, I won't say favourite, favorite in a bad way one of my favorite lines that i've ever heard at christmas came from my grandmother after delivering oh it, let's not get into what she said but ended it with and if that's racist well then i guess i'm racist <laughs> so it's like marge saying i'm just a big i'm just a big lame just a big lame yeah so she's that was your grandma's moment just a big lame but well, she's just racist it was she was going to come up with a counter argument. It's like, and if that's racist, I'll eat my hat or something like that. But then, like, it's like she's got, and if that's racist, and then even her brain clicked over and went, actually, that was pretty racist. <laughs> <laughs> no, you fool. I bought, I bought. I want to ask you so, someone posted in the Patreon group. They asked, they wanted us to bring back the segment of what did you like, what didn't you like? So, I want to ask okay. you, what did you like about the way this episode handled homophobia, and what didn't you like? Well, can I say, not so much. Uh, how it handled homophobia in itself. What I really liked was the way it handled the lack of homophobia in everybody else. So, apart from Homer and his couple mates, that Bart knows he's gay, doesn't give a shit. It doesn't even really occur to him that that would mean anything else. Same deal with Lisa, same deal with Marge. So, that bit I really, really liked. And... I like that the character... But, 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 can I just interrupt? Sorry. Sure. But Bart was very concerned that Homer thought he was gay. Uh, with the very, very end. Yes. So, mm, true. someone being gay is fine, but being considered gay, that bothered him. That is a, a, a little bit of a contradictory ending to the episode, I suppose. Mm. Um, but we're still, again, we're talking about, I guess, at a time where... Uh, in and out, there's, you know, you could drag an entire feature-length comedy out of mishaps of someone thinking you were gay mm-hmm, 100%, in the yep. late 90s. Uh, but, so, yeah, I just liked it, the elements of um, of Bart, you know, like, I don't know, three guys going out in the woods seems kind of gay. Uh, that sort of stuff of... that Homer keeps sort of tiptoeing around it with him. Uh, whereas if he just came out and spoke about it, Bart would be like, yeah, uh, you know, whatever. It's no big deal. But as Bart's saying, seems kind of gay in, a, in the sense of it's a bad thing. Hmm, so that's pretty gay. Yeah, could well double meaning, I suppose. Hmm. Um, what did you like the most about the episode? I just liked the fact that John was not ashamed of who he was, and he was just happy being who he was. I like the way that they, and and it's a negative as well, where 
he has just come to terms with the fact that not everyone in society is going to accept him for who he is, but the way he responds to those scenarios, I think is fantastic. Like when Homer is having to guide him in the kitchen and he goes to offer him treats and he goes, well, no, you don't get any candy. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be mean. Here, take a, take a small piece or something. He's it's- just, he doesn't get angry in response. It's just, he's accepted it, which is sad, but I think they, the way they wrote that character and the way he handled such hate directed towards him was written beautifully. Yeah, I didn't think it was sad, personally. I thought it was just taking the higher road of someone that, for right or wrong, knew that he was going to encounter, and would have at this point of his life, encountered a hell of a lot of hate. Uh, And he's just decided, he's learnt his way to turn the other cheek and know that it's not a reflection on himself. So, I actually took that as being like, as you said, someone that's really happy with themselves and being really confident. Like, if someone was to yell at me on the street for something, it's kind of the equivalent of me just giggling back, thinking that, you know, this person's nuts. (laughs) But, like, not losing any sleep over it whatsoever. I think for me, the what, what I meant by sad was I find it sad that there's still, even today, that there's people who just have to accept that people are going to not like them. To me, that's sad. Not mm. it's just it's sad that that happens in general. Is all I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean it's certainly for reasons beyond anyone's control. Like mm. I accept that people are not going to like me, and I accept that that is 100% my fault. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, to, to for someone not to like you because of the way you were born, I think is about as uh, low. As I said, it's about as low as humanity gets. And John, he, he could be offended, for example, by what Homer's saying to him, but still, he finds a way to like these people nonetheless, which is another positive trait of the character. Yeah, even Homer. Like, I mean, he's got no reason not to like any of the other Simpsons members. But as you said, yeah, even Homer is a case of still um, still seeing that... he. I think he just sees Homer as ignorant rather than anything else. Yeah. One of the traits that kind of... I don't know, it they applied it to his character... And I don't necessarily think it means that anyone who likes this is gay. So, the fact that he likes children's TV shows and he likes toys and collecting things and stuff like that, not every gay person does that. I didn't quite see why they had to apply that aspect to his character. Is it just because it's just meant to be his fun side or um, like the way, the way those the kids say, he likes itchy and scratchy more than we do and things like that. He likes little kid stuff. Yeah, I... I, I- it's a fine line, isn't it? Like, if that was a straight character that they wrote in that really liked that, then you'd never raise the question. But because no. it's a gay character, it's, yeah, are they trying to make the point of... Yeah, I I don't know. It's... You'd have to have been... You'd have to be inside the writer's heads to know if that's what they were yeah. trying to do. But I think some people could take it that way, for sure. Do you think the John character was a good representation... And we're going to get into some letters from some some listeners as well before we even get into the full review, which I'm really looking forward to getting into. But do you think, as a straight person watching this, do you think that John was a good representation of a homosexual man? Of a type of homosexual man, sure. Because again, like like all personalities, there are there are a lot of different ways that people present their sexuality. Um, like I I take some humbrage with the idea of people saying that, you know, is the first openly gay character in Springfield because I'm pretty sure that Carl was quiet, more more internalised, but Carl was definitely gay, played by Harvey Firestein. Like, there was nothing held back at all about the fact that Carl was gay. It just wasn't the point of the episode and it wasn't the point of the character. They didn't make him camp either. He had camp aspects, but he wasn't camp like John. Some. When he was sitting in his... When Carl's sitting 
having his breakfast with these little um, sort of like breakfast bed table and sipping his tea from his fine china. Yeah, in the comforts of confinement of his own home. Yeah, true. But uh, but yeah, so the I think that they've done it before, uh, but I do think that they did it pretty successfully here with a different personality trait. I was just watching it thinking as a member of the LGBTQ community, if you were watching this, would you be happy with this character or would you not? And it's, it'd be, I wonder if it, if, it was, if it changed from someone who was watching it in 1997 compared to someone who's watching it now for the first time. Well, that is only a question that the members of the LGBT community can answer. And I believe we've had some right in, have we, Mitch? We have. Um, did you have anything, before I get into that, did you have anything you thought the episode could do better? When you brought it up before, I did like the aspect of the whole Homer being someone who didn't stand up for John. I think that could have been a way to improve the episode. I really, when you said that, I sort of thought, that, that's a good idea, actually. And I never thought of it until you brought it up, but that the whole Homer being the one who is so anti-gay and homophobic is kind of a real negative. And they kind of, they probably should have changed that looking back now. But I guess at the time, Homer was the right character to go with in 1997, I guess, because he's the main star of the show. Yeah, like I, I, they would have had to have written in, more than likely they would have had to have written in another character or used a secondary character that they didn't really care too much about, but then maybe put that character to bed for a while if they did. But it, yeah, it just for me, you could have had the exact same lesson without having to turn the main most lovable character on the show into a bastard. There was something actually I want to bring up before we get into the the note, the letters and the review and whatnot, that I didn't realise that John Waters actually objected to a couple of jokes. So there was one where uh, John, the character, wouldn't get along with his dad. And he decided that he should. they should write that out because it was too stereotypical. Mm-hmm. And the other one was that when Homer says queer, that was originally written as fag, apparently. And yeah. John had that changed. That was a good decision because fag, you, could, you couldn't put that on television now, I don't think. It'd be, it's offensive. Uh, of course, it was offensive then. And I yeah, think- but I, I still now it would be even... It, it, I don't think you could air this episode on television if you, you were saying fag now. Not on network TV, no. You'd get away with it on cable, obviously. Uh, Louis C.K. has got a stand-up bit a few years yeah. ago that it was about that. I mean, it was largely stolen from George Carlin, but let's not get into it. I think that would have really dated the episode, though. It would have. Uh, I think from the way I read that, that John, that was almost more of a, what's the word, consultant-type thing. Like, it was a case of... Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, he just said, you, should, you probably shouldn't do this. Yeah. yeah, being an actor, I don't think he had an issue with it. It was just a case of, yeah, people will probably get offended by that. Change it to this. Yeah. Um, okay, so, from the Facebook page, so, from a couple of people have uh, submitted in and commented sort of in the open on Patreon. So, I'll read their names. Some of the emails, if you've written in, firstly, I thank you very much, but what I'm going to do, and and... Obviously, we're mixing this up a little bit. I'm not doing the full mailbag. This is just a couple of comments from listeners that we asked for about this particular show. Yeah. Um, I don't want to out anyone that isn't already out. So, purely for privacy on this one, I'm going to change a few names as I'm reading through the emails. The first one comes in from Dan. Uh, watching this, he refers to himself as a homosexual and a big fat party animal, wanting to give his two cents. Uh, he thinks that the whole thing is dealt with really well. It's a great episode ahead of its time in that it didn't make the gay character the butt of the joke at all, instead choosing to make fun of Homer's phobia. He's mm-hmm. popped an asterisk there, legitimately only just realised that this is a wordplay on homophobia. <laughs> a lot of people realise that recently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Homer's reaction in the situation. Some scenes do still sit a bit weirdly with him, uh, but he thinks largely that... Uh, 
sorry, he thinks that it's largely because they resonate with the worry that he will always have that people will react negatively, treat me or treat him differently to the fact due to the fact that I'm gay. So that is one thing that I worry about. Uh, when I was watching this episode and watching Homer's reactions, I was like, if I was gay, am I going to stick around for the moral at the end? And it, will that be my takeaway, or will it be the eighteen minutes of? fear and running away that's going to stick in my head afterwards. Like, if I was wrestling with the idea of, do I tell my parents that I'm gay? And I'd been watching Homer go, you know, I I dance with a gay, you didn't catch any gay, did you? All that sort of stuff. Sure, Homer learns his lesson because TV is like that, but life isn't. So, am I... I wonder if that would have made me almost more afraid to come out by having, you know, watched watched again a guy that I would have thought I could trust not to be like this, be like it. Um, Brendan also wrote into the Facebook page saying that as a gay man, he loves the episode because it was one of the first times that he saw a gay character on TV that was happy and accepted and didn't simply exist as a joke because of their sexual orientation. So, no, similar yeah. lines. But also, yeah. as a gay man who isn't flaming, it helped him realize that there are many types of gay man that he had the option of being. Now, we move into the emails. So, this first one, again, I will change the name. This comes from Michelle. Newish patron sending in her gay opinion of homophobia. (laughs) (laughs) I I really worried, even just asking for that, that that was going to sound really... Like, if you're a gay person, give us an opinion. I was like, uh, I felt cringeworthy saying that, but I just meant, you know, they've got perspective that I don't have. Uh, This episode aired when I was a sophomore in high school and uh, starting to dip into... (laughs) Sorry, that's actually a pretty funny sentence. Just starting to dip her little lesbian toes out of the closet. In the town that I went to school, this was not an easy thing. uh, A friend at one point inadvertently outed her and life was a bit more challenging after that. Homer's reaction to John in this episode were some of the more memorable moments for her. While we usually cherish Homer as an over-the-top buffoon, his comments and reactions were sadly not all that out of line with the actual ones that I've received or overheard. At the same time, lines like, he didn't get you gay, did he? Did he? And, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, I dance with the gay! Let me know that somewhere in the writer's room, somebody got it, and suddenly I felt less alone. That's actually a really good point, I guess, by... by having Homer do that, it is the writer's way of calling out the stupidity of those sorts of responses. Before we get further into that letter, do you think they did a good job of not being too biased towards one way of thinking? It could easily be misconstrued as one anti-homophobic episode, but I think they still they gave the, the characters who were, like I'm talking about Barney, Moe and Homer, I know you said you disagree before, I think they still rode the line well where they didn't become terrible people. They just thought the wrong way and they eventually came around. Whether that was too late, I'm not too sure, but still I don't, I don't think it was too one-sided this episode where it was just, you are wrong if you think this and you are right if you think this. Okay, I disagree in that I think it's very one-sided. I think the entire point of this episode was to knock down the walls of homophobia. And whenever anyone was making a comment like that, they were holding it up as a way to say, this is really stupid that you would think that. Because by the end of it, everyone does come around. If they were being even-handed, then some of them wouldn't. So, no. I, I But they weren't writing those characters... I'd have to disagree. Not everyone came around because Mo said he's going to commit suicide because he was saved by a gay person. Um, yeah, but that's just Mo. That's just a no, cheap, but it's, that's still, it's that's, a cheap that's, suicide that's not, joke. That's not coming around. He hasn't changed. The, oh, we got saved by a sissy. 
Yeah, I'm going to have to suicide again for me. I know the joke is suicide again is the joke, but still, he is going to, he considers killing himself because he was rescued by a homo- homosexual. Okay. Well, let's put it, uh, oh, even if you go with that way, do you think that that's being even handed from a writer's point of view? There is no way in hell that you could come away from this episode with any opinion other than the fact that it is wrong to judge gay people just for being gay. Do you think people who think the way Homer thinks come out of that episode, watching the episode, angry? That's my question back to them. I think they come out chewing on their knuckles like the Neanderthals that they are. <laughs> no, but in seriousness, do you, th- do you think this episode would have annoyed them? Probably. Or do you think having Mo and Barney in there, believing their, and still by the end of the episode, remaining, uh, still believing the way that the, those viewers would believe, do you think because they gave them a representation in the episode that it sort of balanced things out to an extent? No. You don't reckon? Okay. No. No, I don't. So you think this is just a complete anti-homophobia episode? To, to, of course with, it just is. 100%. If they were even a little bit like one foot in either camp, it wouldn't be celebrated by the gay community. John Waters wouldn't sign on for it. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, maybe I'm just not asking it correctly, but what I'm trying to say is, do you think that this is an episode that if you are a homophobe, you would never want to watch? No, I think if you're a homophobe, you completely miss the point of the episode. So, no. I think you would... A homophobe would laugh at all of Homer's reactions to it and agree with them. And that would be that. They wouldn't think about what sort of greater message the episode was trying to send. Mm. Yeah, good point. So... Yeah, so in that regard, no. I don't think that it's an episode that is written only for one side of the community. I think they've done that really well from an entertainment standpoint. But they have not. You couldn't possibly watch this if you were homophobic and think, yep, well, Simpsons have proven that that's the way to live my life. Like Because that, that's not what they were even remotely trying to do. So Yeah, so as an episode, it's it's not. But as a message, it's one-sided. Yeah, yeah. The, th- the three dumbest characters in this episode are the three homophobics. Yeah, like that That in itself is blatant. So, continue on with the, with this email that we've had written in. From the lesbian dipping her toes into the out of the closet. Dipping her toes out of the closet. That sounded horrible to say, but that's the, that's the line she wrote. <laughs> yeah. Um, she said that she loves that the episode gave a few uh, sort of snappy one-liners and a great response to the constant question, what do you people like to be called? I like to be called Michelle. That, that part at the end is amazing. Yeah. Or just, or just John. Yeah. <laughs> The episode uh, gave a happy ending, a thoughtful middle, and laughs all along the way. Uh, it's one of her absolute favourites, and will have a special, always have a special place in her heart. I actually wanted to bring that up too. Um, thanks for the letter, by the way. I really do appreciate that you're taking the time to write in. That that end there where Lisa says, "This is as tolerant as Dad gets," so you should be happy about that. Hmm. That's wrong. I get, I get that he's being tolerant. Homer still thinks that calling him a queer is fine, and Lisa's like. Well, well, that's as tolerant as you get, so just accept that. Well, that's to me, that's not right. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's not right. It's also pretty late in the episode, so they didn't have time, I guess, for these to amount of a rousing argument. Uh, but you're right. But, I mean, again, the joke there is just that Homer is very much his own, uh, you know, his own way of thinking. Uh, okay, so next email. This comes in from, again, name changed. I'm going to call him Sam. Can we call him Zap Brannigan? Zap Brannigan? <laughs> Could if we wanted to. <laughs> Being a gay man in his early 20s This episode happens to be one of his favourites He didn't realise that he was gay until his mid-teens But always kind of liked this episode before The Awakening uh, The character of John always stood out for some reason It was always a delight seeing this episode whenever it was on reruns While he eventually came to discover his true self And learn about gay culture and the art of camp He grew to 
appreciate John Waters even more. Hairspray is still one of his all-time favorite musicals. So his opinion of the episode grew as well, so once, sort of once he delved into John Waters' back catalog. It perfectly captures the ideas and different viewpoints of homosexuality back then, and in a way still now. It's The Simpsons at its best where you can put it uh, sorry, when you can put it on and still feel the message coming across is a message that you can relate to today. That's all for now. Might write again when we eventually discuss Three Gays of the Condo. But for now, thanks for the wonderful show and insights. That's about season 16, 17, I think, that episode. Yeah, we'll have quit well before then. No, we won't. <laughs> that, that's like another four years of our life away. Yeah. <laughs> Anything could happen between now and then. Oh, well, hopefully nothing goes wrong. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, nothing could possibly go wrong. And the uh, the final one before we crack in with the episode. How long have we been talking for? Oh, well over half an hour by now. Yeah. It could be setting a record here, but for good reason. It's, it, this episode deserves it, yeah. Mm. Uh, okay, so last email that has come in. This comes in from a... Oh, actually says that she's happy to have the name attached to the story. So that's a good first line. Thank you very much. This comes in from Claire. Um, She just is a bisexual transgender woman who is currently not out to anyone outside of a very small contingent of her friendship group and her sister. So, like, that would be a nightmare to hide, I imagine, Claire. And I hope that you're able to do that in a way that, you know, is a, a comfortable way. That's a really clumsy way of me saying that I I really, really wish you the very, very best in life. And thank you so much for writing in. Uh, it isn't something that she'd always been aware of, specifically growing up. Uh, she thought that she was perhaps gay. Thinking back on the episode and how it made and makes her feel can be sad. Specifically that Homer in this episode represents how a lot of folks treat those of us that do not conform to what they deem as the correct way to live your life. It can feel at times like you have to jump through hoops and qualifies as qualifies with people who you've considered friends to make sure that they treat you how they would have treated you before you came out to them. It's an accurate reflection of what all folks identify within the LGBT plus community and how they deal with a very small portion of the population. She does still find the episode hilarious at times and John Waters is the most fantastic character in it. The writers treated the story and his character with great respect. She wants to end it with her favourite moment from the episode. Apart from all the parts with John, it has to be how Bart responds to Mo about going hunting. As I mentioned, as I quoted before, something about a bunch of guys alone together in the woods. Seems kind of gay. And Claire uh, also just wanted to pop in a little thank you there for calling out for contributions. Uh, Absolutely no dramas. And thank you very much for submitting yours, Claire. Um, There are a few other people that have written in and no doubt there will be other people that write between the Patreon page going up and the uh, normal feed going up. We will endeavor to reply to each and every person that has, um, if you didn't get read out, we'll, we'll make sure we touch base. And thank you very much for sharing. Do you think they could bring back John as a character, say 20 years on, I think it'd be nice to revisit the story. I know they've done episodes since where Paddy come out and Smithers has come out and it seems Homer, the character now, is just fully accepting of, of the gay community. I just think the character is just so delightful. I'd just like to see where he is now, 20 years on. I would like to have him come back but not have the episode have anything to do with homosexuality, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. I think that we're at the... We should be at the next evolution where now you don't have to make a thing of including a gay character. You just include a person who is gay and make it become ubiquitous. Like, it's not something that needs to be mentioned. I think that would be a good way of normalizing. I think that's where The Simpsons... It's negative of the show in the sense that 
a character coming out on The Simpsons is considered a big deal because they've taken so long to actually make changes like that. Like, mm. for example, Smithers came out to Mr. Burns recently and we watched that episode and he didn't even really come out to Mr. Burns. It was all handled really weird. But it was such a big deal. Smithers finally comes out to Mr. Burns. He should have come out to Mr. Burns 20 years ago and it shouldn't be a big deal now. Yeah. Like, I think I've mentioned the episode should have basically been Smithers going, Mr. Burns, I'm gay. And Mr. Burns going, I know what's for dinner. Yeah. It shouldn't have been a big deal mm. at all. But it was like the news stories about it and it was, it was, everyone was talking about it. Who cares? Really? It's 2000. I think it was 2016 yeah. at the time. It shouldn't matter. <laughs> but she mentioned her favorite moment from the episode. What was yours? Uh, my favorite moment from the episode was, well, as much as I was talking about Homer, I just really enjoyed Homer's brain on that, I'll always love you as, as, as a father. Uh, as a father. Yes. <laughs> that, it was just, just the brain prompting him was very funny. I I loved Homer's response to the zap the, <gasps> and hiding behind a curtain. <laughs> Homer's Homer's shocked expression is what makes that whole scene. <laughs> yeah, we should also mention just John Waters in general. His performance is fantastic, and I think we did best one-time characters list a couple of years back. I don't think we included John, and that's a shame because he is arguably top three. He's Incredible. John Waters absolutely nailed the character. He is really, really, really good. Yeah. Uh, it was a, an oversight based on the fact that I hadn't seen this episode for quite a while. And we should also give credit to Dan Castellanada for his performance as Homer too. Yeah. I mean, he, he delivers with the script that he's given. Yeah. Because um, he would not have he would not believe what he's saying, but he acted in a way that you believed it. I certainly hope not. Yeah. You wouldn't think so anyway, no. What was your new name for the episode? I've got two. I've got... And I'm not sure whether the patrons have already copied mine because I didn't check. But I've got flaming Homer, and I've got homosexual. Um, okay, uh, I'm pretty sure homosexual did get thrown around okay. a couple times. Uh, I had, uh, I had two as well. One that um, I wasn't overly thrilled with. But uh, before I get to that, uh, what do we got? Michael Bernstein, the parent zap. Mm-hmm. Oh come on, that deserves more than. Mm-hmm. I was drinking at the same time. I apologise. Okay. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's Continue. better. That's better. Uh, Joseph O'Hara, queers where everybody knows your name. <laughs> Lydia, with it's a gay, 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 gay steel factory. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. Um, I need to just quickly Google a word to make sure that it's not offensive. <laughs> so just give me a second. Um, it looks to be safe. What's the word? Well, the, the, you'll find out in two seconds. Um, so, the this came in from, where was it? Uh, Luke Sinclair, Bart the Twink. So, you want to make sure Twink wasn't? <laughs> yeah, I just had to double check before I read that out loud. <laughs> what does Twink mean? Uh, it's kind of like a, a hyper-sexualized subsect of the gay community. Okay. And I think I saw, hang on. Mike Bevan, work hard too, play harder. That's pre- that's pretty good. <laughs> um, now, mine. I had Marge Simpson gets a friend, and um, steer clear of queer deer. Yeah, it's not too bad. I think just Marge gets a friend would be funny. You don't even need Simpson. Just Marge gets a friend, as opposed to Marge gets a job. Well, yeah, okay. I wasn't necessarily considering other episodes, but yes, that is a good point. Um, I was going to say. So you don't even know this yet, Mitch. So I'm announcing it to you, as well as to the listeners out there. Elliot, I gay. was ta- I was talking to. <laughs> uh, Mike B. Anderson this morning. Oh, and okay. He, and he is willing to have a chat with us within the next week about this episode because he was the director. Oh, excellent. So, that'll go up on Patreon next week, I'm assuming. I'm assuming we'll do it early next week. Mm-hmm. So, it'll go up on Patreon as an early exclusive for the patrons and then it'll be released on the free feed 
after this episode goes up on the free feed. Excellent. Now, Mitch, anything else you'd like to... Actually, before we get into the review... Trivia. I know we've been going for a long time, but we've got some trivia to get out of the way. So, do you want to kick things off? Yes. Uh, I have three questions for you, Dando, and I suggest that you limit it to the same. Mm-hmm. Who was on the cover of the TV Guide? Jackie O? Uh, no, it was. It belonged to Jackie Laverne O. Laverne and Shirley. Laverne and Shirley were on the cover. What well up? Too dangerous for TV was the question. <laughs> <laughs> what is the address of the Springfield Gas Company? Oh, Jesus. I have absolutely no idea. P.O. Box 2323. Okay. Uh how much was the aforementioned TV guide selling for? It was eight hundred dollars, eight thousand dollars, eight and a half thousand dollars, eight and a half thousand dollars. Damn if it! You, if you're going to give two questions to every, sorry, two answers to every question, this will take longer. <laughs> what time does Homer invite John over? Four o'clock, eight oh. o'clock, five o'clock, <laughs> five p.m. And what? What is that? The snacking hour. The snacking hour. Yes. Yeah. What was the hair color of the two girls on the Laramie billboard? Blonde and black. Ah, yes. Well done. I wanted to ask like a more obscure question, but I, I thought like, let's just try to ask something and see if Dando was paying attention or if Dando the one thing was I get right is that the pillow fighting boobies. <laughs> uh, and what does the steel mill become at night or when they when I want to party down? Uh, the anvil. The anvil. That is correct. Mm. I'd uh, shout out to my boy Hayden, who accidentally went to a gay club and was in there for a solid hour and a half before he realized. And let's just say that it was the it was not like a subtle gay club. There was a room that was literally playing gay porn on TVs. <laughs> and he just had no idea. I went to because Nicholas got a friend over who lives over in Perth. He's gay and we went over there to visit him. So he took us to a gay club. And there was a room where people were all having sex. It was yeah, an orgy right. room. Yeah, okay. That was an experience. I didn't yeah. go in there obviously, but I was just like, seriously? And he opened up the door and I went, I just saw something that I probably am never going to forget. <laughs> Later, that became the Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> Alrighty, so uh, the original air date was February 16th, 1997, almost on Valentine's Day. Now, the catch game, this is probably the only dated thing about the episode. It's the outdated, slow upload speed of the internet. Mm. Unless you live in Australia. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. That's that's a promotion for MBN, I think. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Alrighty, so the episode kicks off with Bart taking bets on a, a Tatsuloto-esque type draw with the washing machine. Um, did you notice that Todd was in here? Seemed kind of odd for him to be doing that. Re- like rebelling, I guess? Yeah, that's true. He might have just been sucked into it somehow, not realising what it was. No, he was all about it, mate. Uh, okay. he, was, he, was, he was throwing cash down. Yeah, right. Maybe he took it from the collection plate. Gamble on the weekends. <laughs> and I love it when shit goes down. That Bart yells out, like, no refunds. He's got all his bases covered. <laughs> it is amazing animation. Though, in the What's that? Oh, um, going off. Force Majeure is his uh, reasoning, by the way, which I believe is uh, Act of God. But let me double check. It's not an Act of God. Whoops. It's, uh, well, legal term is unforeseeable circumstances. Um, I'm sure there's a translation. Superior Force. There we go. Homer then ha- realizes that they have to drop the retirement fund to pay for the, the damage bill that Bart has caused. Mm-hmm. And then he proceeds to drop said retirement fund to the ground to China. This is something I haven't heard for a long time. When you're a kid, always, you know, when you're digging a hole in the backyard, your parent yells out, What, you're digging a hole to China? I haven't heard this joke for a long time. I got a good chuckle out of it. Yeah, uh, so did I, actually. It's um, I don't know, it's something about it. It's, like, it's just, it's a neat idea. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, although, uh, fun fact about the way gravity works that let's say theoretically it was possible to be able to 
dig a hole straight through the center of the universe and then send something through that hole without... Straight the, through the Earth, you mean, or the universe? Yeah, sorry, Earth. Straight through the yeah. middle of the Earth. So take out all of the heat, all of the rocks and all that sort of stuff. That if you were like, say, so you're standing on the ground and you just jump into that hole, you're going to go flying through there, get gradually, gradually, gradually faster as you get closer to... Well, like you'd hit your terminal velocity. But then as you move away from the earth like from the earth's core you the impact of gravity is going to slow you down at the exact same speed and you would basically then be able to just pop out of that hole get no more than basically head height like your feet would just get to the ground so you've you'd have like a tiny second to be able to catch yourself otherwise you're just going to fall straight back in in a sort of infinite loop where did you learn that neil degrasse tyson i knew it was going to be him (laughs) i knew it So Marge then realizes that she's going to have to sell her family heirloom Civil War doll in order to pay for the cost because the retirement fund's now in China. They're never going to get it back. So they go to John's store. How do you pronounce this? Cockamamies? Cockamamies? Uh, Cockamamie, I think. Cockamamies. Apparently, that's a hilarious name. And I know the listeners out there are going to be shaking their heads in shame that I don't quite get it. Cockamamie. I'm not sure what that's referring to. What play on words? I'm not quite, I don't quite understand how that's funny. Um,. It's just a phrase, I've, I've, isn't it? I've heard, I've heard cockaninny, I believe, as a as like a, as like an idiot, I guess Cock, you could say. Cockamamie is just a ridiculous or implausible informal adjective. Okay. Is that, did you just Google it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, th- th- this is the only sort of plot hole for me. So, they f- find out that Marge's Civil War doll is actually worth nothing. It's mm. just a, a cover-up for a, a, an alcoholic, a alcohol problem. So when do, where do they get the money from then? It's never mentioned again. Um, All of a sudden, they just don't need money. Well, they, they, do they really need to make that story up well, to, get just, to, John, to get to John's store I guess and then never reference it again? They're just going to the laundromat from this point out. Yeah, but I just thought it was just... They couldn't figure out another way just to have them go to John's store. It had to be that reason and then never reference that problem again. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a fair point, but it's not the first time that you've oh, got a first not. act that goes nowhere. This wasn't. It's like the first minute, though. It's like you, you could have just had them walking into John's store because it looks fun. And oh, if like, yeah, you could have. Um, so Bart's playing with the pogo sticks, shoots over the top. Have you ever thrown something over the top at a supermarket? No. God, that's the height of rebellion. Oh, I used to just throw, used to throw things like grapes and peanuts. No, I, I have my limits. <laughs> I have my limits. <laughs> I have thrown something blindly over my head at the movies. Like Over your head? Just like launch a really? Malteser backwards. But they can see where, you, where it came from. No, 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 no. They can see the general direction. As long as, <laughs> as long as you don't lift your hand above the height. So you kind of, you pop your left arm about nipple high, acting as an arm bar, and then you just yeah. throw your right hand into it and it just pops them up there. When you were a kid, did you ever do the whole lick the Maltese and throw it at the screen? Uh, no. No, no. Get no, it I, stick? Uh, no. stick. J- Jaffa's stick. I'm sure they would have, but I respected the movie too much. <laughs> what about if it's a school excursion and you're going to see Kangaroo Jack? What the... F- oh, that... Oh, yeah, no. I just wouldn't have gone. <laughs> we, I had <laughs> to go. Made my way into a different cinema. Uh, so, then we get the kids pointing out the... Now, this kind of... In an episode that would de- be deemed non-PC in 1997... This seemed odd to me seeing or hearing, I guess, Lisa saying, ooh, what about the poor midget inside and having a midget skeleton in there? This is what I was... This is the bit that I was going to say, that you're like, ooh, yeah, still real 90s. Yeah, <laughs> like, like you cannot say midget. No, super offensive. Yes, yeah. I, I didn't know whether you would have agreed with me. I'm glad you did too. Because no, it's, I did. It's not, it's I, not right to say that at all. Like, I learned that... 
the hard, I, f- I feel like now that's more common knowledge. I learned it the hard way by accidentally saying it, not realizing it would be offensive to my dwarf friend Scotty, who promptly, um, rather swiftly, punched me in the balls as his way of informing me that that was the incorrect choice of words. What what is the correct term? Is it little people? Is that oh, well? Some people like little people. Some like a person who has dwarfism or a person who suffers from. Uh, on, probably not even suffers a person. Yeah, just a person who has dwarfism. But what? Why? Why do you even have to refer to them as that anyway? Well, I actually read a really good uh, article about that, um, Dando. Just so uh, you would almost think that you had prompted me about that. So this was a a piece that I found online that was written by a dwarf. And that was where I was saying that. So, he says that he was a person who was born with a chondroplasia. To call me a midget puts a label on me that denigrates my individual nature. When talking about someone who is different from you, choose words that recognize and empower them instead of a list of derogatory words that degrade or shame. And midget did have a connotation that it was always like a spectacle. It was midget wrestling or midget dancing or midget blah, blah, blah. It It was something that implied that... Midget throwing contest. Yeah, that like the, a they're there for entertainment, and b that it lumps every single one of them into the same category, rather than again, it's like what do you want to be called? I I want to be called Dave. We then get Marge trying to sell the liquor. To me, this whole scene had a very porn stars feel to it. You ever watch porn stars? Uh, I've probably caught some episodes, but or like bits and pieces. I've never sat down, and I, I don't particularly care about people rifling through junk. Well, they're not rifling through junk in porn stars. They're taking stuff in to see what it's worth. Ah, okay. I uh, I was thinking American Pickers, but anyway, it's a similar yeah. concept. Yeah. So, but basically, there is a the, the porn star store. I went there when we went to Las Vegas. It's really small. It looks huge on TV. Mm. Well, not huge, but it looks really big. And you get there, and it is the most plain, boring-looking thing you could ever imagine. I have no idea how they've made so much money out of such a bland business. Yeah. John then introduces himself and. I've got here, he's just immediately hilarious and immediately likable. There's nothing you could not like about this man. He's just such a genuinely nice person. Yeah. <laughs> What's the, uh, please tell me it's your hair? Amazing. It's, yeah, it's a great line. I love, like, his real scathing comments throughout. Like, just, or not scathing, scathing's probably the wrong word, but just sharp, biting insults that he throws out that aren't thrown in a mean way. It's just, it's, it's very, very funny. Even when he does throw out a mean comment, he backs it up by saying, oh, that's probably a bit too mean. I shouldn't have said that. But I guess he's still saying it anyway, though. He's, st- he's got a little cattiness to him that I like. Everyone likes a little bit of bitchiness, right? I think everyone. Oh, most people. If it's if it's meant with love. When him and Marge were in that kitchen in a few scenes, he was just being a gossiper. There was no love there. That was him just spreading gossip about Helen Lovejoy. Yeah, true. But he was just nice. <laughs> like, he's just a nice person. Homer is then surprised by the price of the ray gun. As would most normal people, but someone who works in the collectible industry now knows that some things are perceived. It's it's all about perception when it comes to uh to to collectibles, and he perceives that this because it's so hard to find now that it should be worth fifty bucks. And Homer just can't wrap his head around why would a grown man want to hang out with want to play with toys? Hmm. And this is what we were discussing earlier. Is I don't see why he because he's gay he likes toys. I just I never got that part of his character. I'm not sure that he likes toys because he's gay. I just think he's gay and he likes toys. They've never had a, a character on The Simpsons like this until they had a gay character and all of a sudden this gay character likes toys. They're very specific toys though and they're camp toys. And you say toys, it's really only that one, isn't it? It's just the ray gun. There's nothing... Oh, pogo sticks, I suppose. But there's, it's not like it's a toy store. It's just a kitschy store. 
50 bucks for a toy? No kid is worth that. Oh, but this is the Rex Mars Atomic Discombobulator. Don't you just love the graphics on this box? No. How can you love a box or a toy or graphics? You're a grown man. It's camp. The tragically ludicrous? The ludicrously tragic? Oh, yeah, like when a clown dies. Well, sort of, but I mean more like inflatable furniture or Last Supper TV trays or even this bowling shirt. Can you believe somebody gave this to Goodwill? And that kind of stuff is worth money? Boy, howdy. Man, you should come over to our place. It's full of valuable worthless crap. Well, if you're inviting me over... I practically insist. Shall we say five o'clock? The snacking hour? My heart is palpitating. <laughs> Marge is then baking cookies and I like that... Maggie with the whipped cream. It's Maggie's only real moment in the episode. But I, I like to not, think that babies do this when you leave the room. They get up just, to mischief. <laughs> so I just have to stop you. They weren't cookies. They were crackers. But anyway. Oh, were they? Okay, cool. Yeah, but she was baking something. I thought she was baking. Or was she just making No, it? she was just putting toppings on crackers. Oh, okay. Fair yeah. enough. Yep, yep, yep. I'm just so used to Marge baking. Did you notice, by the way, how much John... Um, it, like, I, I think that Charlie Sheen in Two and a Half Men modeled his wardrobe on John Waters in this episode. Yeah, you're right. Just bowling shirt the whole way through. Yeah, it was always the same thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Notice I never had him wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, true. That probably would have been too stereotypical, I guess. They wanted to avoid that. Yeah, like, you know, the, the only, obviously, the only time you see the Hawaiian shirt is on Bart, and it's the point there is that it doesn't actually mean anything. John then rings the doorbell. The only thing about this scene that I found a bit odd was that he was taking photos of their house. Um... Yeah, that would be weird. It Even would if you be. invited someone over, if, I, if you just if I just walked into your house and started taking photos of your house, that'd be mm. weird. Um, not as weird as the time as you started taking photos of my wife. We've passed that, man. We're past that. I promise. I deleted most of them. Most. Yes, most. I'm allowed to keep. You said I can keep three. <laughs> but anyway, so he loves the, the design of the house. He loves the doorbell. Uh, the best part about this actually is Homer's. Do I know you? Because <laughs> <laughs> cause Homer would forget. Yeah. He would invite someone over for dinner, and then 20 minutes later forget that he's done it. Yeah. Definitely. So basically, it's not. We get like, you know, little bits and pieces here of just John going around the house, other things. Uh, kitchen, <laughs> corn. Yeah, kitchen, oh. corn. It just had <laughs> corn on them. Um, the, the tap on the shoulder that, oh. Yeah. And then Marge does it back. And that's where you sort of notice, oh, there's a friendship blossoming here. Yeah. Um, we then, like, after, after that moment, we get John and Homer sort of looking through the records. And then he puts on I Love the Nightlife. Uh, and obviously, we get the. The dance that freaks Homer out so much. And that could actually be, now that I think about it, I wonder if I wonder if it's a case of not so much Homer having a problem with all homosexuals, but until he thought for a second, oh my God, I might be construed as a homosexual. I have to go so far heterosexual here to save my honor. But the thing is, the only person, people that saw him dancing with him was his family. Yeah, I know, but that wouldn't be enough to some people. Like, some people are really not okay with having their sexuality questioned. Like, I've mm-hmm. been asked... Yeah, you mentioned your parents asked if you were gay. I've been asked if I was gay a million of... Millions of... Maybe not millions. I've been asked if I was gay a lot you, growing but up. you're not? No. Uh, married, remember? Oh. Wife. Um, uh, married. You're married. Yeah. Married with a wife. <laughs> um, married to my wife. I... But, yeah, like, I remember being hit on by a gay dude in a spa, was not freaked out, stayed in said spa... Continued to have a very good night with that guy after politely saying, no thanks. And that was that. But other people would freak out just at the fact that someone thought they were gay and they'd go into a super defensive mode. 
Oh, Homer, you are the living end. <laughs> oh. Anyway, so it's the next morning that John uh, Homer says, uh, you know, that John's great. We have to have, we'll have to have him and his wife over for dinner sometime. And then you get the whole Marge trying to explain, I don't think he has a wife. Ah, single. And then don't you think he's a little... I, I did love this kind of um, watering down of it. Festive? Obliviousness. <laughs> yeah. He prefers the company of men. Who doesn't? Yeah. (laughs) Of all of the... In Homer's first rant, so when he goes, I dance with a gay, and he has his rant, I did laugh at his jump to the fact that it would drop his... The property value. Like it's funny sale. because it's so stupid. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a really funny over-the-top one. Like, that's not as... I think it's hardest to like Homer when he's being closest to the truth. When he's... Ex- when he's... When it gets taken to an exaggerated extreme, like sitting Bart in front of a billboard of two women for a couple hours, then it's very funny. It's just when um, when I see in Homer what I see in society, then I have a hard time with him. I think there was this rant here, and there was another rant in the episode where it kind of was confronting to watch. It was like you said, it was weird to hear Homer saying things like "John is a sneak," things like that. It just, yeah, it just at that in that moment, you don't like the character, do you? I know no. I said that. They did a good job of it, but little things like that, you sort of go, that's really, really bad. Yeah, it's no business of anyone's. Just no. I'll throw that out there for anyone. I, I don't care what anyone's sexuality is. If you want to tell me, tell me. If you don't, don't. But it's, you don't have to by any means for any reason. You actually enjoyed the time that you spent with the guy until you found out he was gay. Yeah. Zap! That car horn is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fantastic. Homer refuses to go with them, uh, but repeats the whole, you are the living end line. And this mm-hmm. is where you can see, all right, they're going to be implying that Homer's going to be thinking that Bart's gay. That's the first sign. Yep. They also plant the seed of Santa yeah, when they and jump into gift the car. Man. Basically, yeah. When they, um, so he basically takes them on like the celebrity humiliation tour of Springfield, mm. <laughs> which is the first sign of bitchiness and gossip, really. The Waylon bumping into him, so this is your sick mother. Don't do this to me, Waylon. That was really, really funny. I really the delivery from Smithers though is great. This yeah. is your sick mother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but still, what I liked about this was that much like the Malibu Stacy episode, it shows that Smithers has a life outside of Mr. Burns. Yeah, that's that's very true. And obviously Smithers would be involved in the gay community in Springfield, which hmm. is you know, it just makes sense. They get back home. They get back home and Homer's sort of at the door. You've been gallivanting around with that floozy John, haven't you? Um, worried about whether or not they've caught gay. And I like, He didn't give you gay, did he? Yeah. <laughs> I, I like how dismissive Marge is here as well. It's just, Homer, shut up, basically. You are being a fucking idiot. Like, I, I really enjoy Marge with just the way she gives it no breathing space at all. Yeah, just complete, immediately shuts it down. And that's, like you said, that's the writer's way of saying, if you are like Homer, stop it right now. <laughs> yes. We then get um, Bart walking past Homer wearing the Hawaiian shirt. Where'd that oh, come from? Oh, he also from? does the zap gun as well. Oh, the zap gun. But yeah, where'd yeah. that shirt come from? Came out of the closet. Pretty funny. Bart choosing between chocolate and strawberry. Like this, did you ever have this happen to you when you were a kid? Like choosing between a chocolate donut and a strawberry donut, having your friends give you shit if you chose strawberry? I I, say I never chose strawberry because I don't like the taste of strawberries. Ah, right. See, yeah. I've always been a strawberry man when it comes to donuts. And okay. it always used to bug me when people would be like, ah, that's for girls. I'm like, no, 
I just flavor like, you fool. I just like the sweetness. If, like, if you close your eyes, you wouldn't know the color. It's all about the taste, you idiot. Yes, that is 100% correct. It is pure flavor town. Homer then can't sleep, can he? He's chewing on his pillow. He's upset that Bart well, may be gay. Okay, so he's chewing on his pillow. Is this possibly a subtle dirty joke in The Simpsons? In what sense? Well, you could say that he's chewing on the pillow. You could say that he's biting the pillow. You're trying to steal my line. No, pillow, I'm, I'm not going to bite the pillow. I'm going in dry. But <laughs> pillow biter is a... Uh, is that a term, is it? Pejorative term for homosexual men. Oh, okay. I've never heard that term. Okay. It's a derogatory one as well. So, I'm not, yep. I'm not using that in a... You know, I'm putting it out there that I saw that and went, oh my goodness. Was yeah, that, I've, I've, I've never noticed, known like, that, was that a term, a but that would make sense. Yeah. Deeply layered. It's super kind of offensive if they have, but I don't know. Yeah, like they probably would have got away with it back then as well. I completely agree. That's definitely what they were going for because we've never had Homer chew the pillow before or since. Mm. So It's a hell of a coincidence if that's not what they were trying to do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Homer brings up the whole, this is a classic line of only gay people or big fat party animals wear Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. When he said that, my first thought was John Candy. And I was like, yeah, I can picture oh, yes. John Candy in a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> Who do you think would be more of a party animal? Him or Chris Farley? Uh, Chris Farley. Yeah, but I'd rather be at a party with Candy. I feel like Farley would have just been too busy on all of the drugs. Homer then blames Marge, which I thought was a bit mean. And like, like blaming her for what? Uh, yeah. So, if, if Bart's gay, you don't blame somebody because if someone's gay, they're just gay. <laughs> yes, exactly. She, she then throws it back at him saying, you know what? Maybe it's because Bart, does, you don't spend any time with Bart. Well, yeah, if there's anything wrong with him, it's because you don't spend enough time with him. Yeah, and Homer thinks, well, maybe it's my fault. What I loved about this next scene is that Homer, when no one's around, he's just walking down the stairs, singing the song, he enjoys the song. The second he sees Bart dancing to it, wearing a wig, it's immediately wrong. Yeah. What they're doing here is it's, they're saying, it's like a subtle jab saying that it's okay to like the same things as long as nobody else is around to see that you do. Yeah, or that they just see it through a different prism as well. Like that it's like... It, it, it's the equivalent of someone that goes, no, nah, I don't like anchovies. I hate anchovies. And then you cook them something with anchovies in it and they eat it without knowing they're in there and mm. go, that was delicious. And then you say, there was anchovies in that. And then they don't talk to you for three and a half hours and threaten you with having to sleep on the couch. Uh, Murphy's not a fan of uh, anchovies. <laughs> you know, that happened to me once when I was a kid. My mum cooked a, a bake of some kind. It was some meal. And she said it was chicken, but it was actually rabbit that my dad had hunted. Because oh, rab- rabbit tastes just like chicken. And I was just traumatized that, you know, my mum had made me eat rabbit. <laughs> it was just rabbit that my dad had hunted from the hutch in our backyard. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Where else would you hunt them? John has then dishing the gossip to Marge. She doesn't understand it, but she just loves having him around, which is nice. Like, she's just, she's finally got a friend. And it's kind of sad that... I've got here, it's sad that John didn't come back. They, they couldn't because John Waters, you know, has his own career. But it would have been nice for Marge to have had John over more often. It's actually, I, th- I would love Marge to have had more friends in general over the years. Because yep. every episode where she does get along with someone, I really enjoy the scenes of watching Marge interact with people. And then they're just gone. Like, the, it's her, Ruth Powers, sorry, um, John, Ruth Powers. It's always like a, a one and done type thing. She never has ongoing friendship. Homer then yells at John and then, you know, you seem like a nice person at all, but stay away from my family. That just sums up Homer in this episode to a T. Yeah. I loved um, the one line here that showed how sheltered Marge is about the the cuffs and the collar don't match if you get my drift. I don't, but I loved hearing it. 
<laughs> it was just I really, really loved that moment between Marge and John. I just wanted to point that out. Well, that's what I said. She like she doesn't understand his jokes, but she just loves having him there. Yeah. Then we get the a really offensive rant. Homer, what have you got against gays? You know it it's not usual. If there was a law, it would be against it. Homer, oh, please, you're embarrassing yourself. No, I'm not, Marge. They're embarrassing me. They're embarrassing America. They turned the Navy into a floating joke. They ruined all our best names like Bruce and Lance and Julian. Those were the toughest names we had. Now they're just you. Queer? Yeah, and that's another thing. I resent you people using that word. That's our word for making fun of you. We need it. It's a little uncomfortable watching Homer say this. Yeah, I, I mean, well, that line in that whole rant was actually the one that made me laugh because I felt like that was such an absurd idea, um, like to get angry at the oppressed people for trying to reclaim the word of oppression. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, um, but yeah, like Bruce, Lance, Julian, all that sort of thing. Like that would, yeah, that um, it's just so in John's face, and John's done nothing wrong here, and he just cops a torrent of abuse. Homer then takes Bart to look at the billboard, and yep. we get the scene that you mentioned earlier, one of your favourite moments, the hand on his shoulder for too long, I love you as a father, yep. regular father. Yep. Since him in front of the uh, billboard, I couldn't quite remember what happened here, so I thought I expected the billboard to change to something that was more Homer. Oh, yeah, right. No. Without yeah. Homer realising. I just love, how do you feel? Not bad. Kind of want a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> What do you want? Anything slim. Yeah. <laughs> we then get Steel Mill, pretty well played. Uh, let's just go, who is your favourite gay in the Steel Mill? Oh, be nice. <laughs> yeah, that's very funny. Um, <laughs> I'm a big fan of, stand still, there's a spark in your hair. Get it out, get it. Um, and and hot stuff coming through is one of the most memorable quotes yeah. of all time. Uh, and Again, though, this is one of those moments that I was talking about with Bart where his his question to, dad, to Homer is just, why did you bring me to a gay steel mill? Like, he's not under any illusion about homosexuality. He's just like, yeah, what are you doing? Why are we at a gay, gay steel mill? Like, to him, it's just, he's so aware that he's oblivious as to what could be actually a problem. And I really like that. That's the response that it should be. It's like, it's not a thing of like, why are we hanging out with gay people? It's just... Why here of all places? Like, what? Yeah, well, wh- why did you bring me to this place? What's yeah. the, what's the point? Yeah, yeah. Come back from commercial, and Homer is now at Moe's, uh, basically telling the story about how this entire steel mill is gay. I do like this line from Mo of like the entire steel industry is gay, aerospace too, and the railroads, then the pause, and Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think Broadway not so much now. But it's always going to have an element of if you're in Broadway musicals, you're gay. But I think Hugh Jackman's done a good job of. Getting rid of that uh, sort I, of belief? Yes. I think it's more a case of maybe in high school, it's like, I don't think now it's you're gay if you are in them, but there's still a higher proportion of gay people in theatre. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think largely that's probably because, again, like because you kind of ostracized a little bit or you feel like you've got to hide who you are, that drama and acting is a really good way to be able to break out of that and you can hide by... You can be yourself and hide at the same time. So I think it makes sense that that's where people that, for whatever reason, are a little insular will gravitate towards. I think people in the art community are usually pretty open and accepting of people who aren't quite... Yeah, there's probably that they, as well. They accept yeah. everybody, basically, in the art yeah. community. So, you don't have to be someone different. You can be who you are. Mm. 
Now, Mo mentions the whole thank you, Warren Christopher. Do you know who mm-hmm. Warren Christopher is? Yeah, he was the Secretary of State at the time. Um, yes. So, he was mostly trying to... It was about peace. He expanded NATO, established peace between Israel and its neighbours, and uh, tried to sort of help force China's hand on human rights practices and that sort of stuff. To just try to bring an end to war, basically. Yeah. He completely screwed the pooch over Rwanda, but, you know, aside from that, he was doing his best to just bring peace to the world. Barney then says shooting a deer will help, because it's like shooting a beautiful man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They then go out and buy hunting supplies, that's a, I, I do love that. that. They're going out hunting. They've got to look the part. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> because cause these, cause these guys aren't hunters by any means, but they think, you know, you've got to dress the part, you've got to have all the right equipment because they're just idiots. <laughs> yeah. I I really loved the, um, you know, you wouldn't know the first thing about hunting. I know this much. I wouldn't wear that hideous hat. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> one of those, like, just really cutting Oh, no, lines. he didn't. <laughs> you ever been hunting before there, body? Nope. Something about a bunch of guys alone together in the woods. Seems kind of gay. That is a very immature attitude, young man. Then out hunting. Well, we say hunting, but really they're sitting around a fire waiting for things to come out. I was going to say, I don't think that's how you do it. (laughs) No, just sitting around a fire waiting for something to come to you. That's not how hunting works. No. The the term hunting means you have to hunt for something. Mm. But then uh, what I did like was Barney brings out, we should have just said that Moses shot rats. Those aren't your rats, Barn. They're like, Moe's got an attachment to the rats. <laughs> Bart has then fallen asleep and Homer's gutted because it, it's just been a massive failure this whole trip. Did you notice that they leave the fire burning? Uh, oh, no, I didn't pay any attention to that, actually. Because I guess if the fire wasn't burning in the scene, there'd be no light. So they had to sort of leave the fire on so you could see them walking off. I don't know, but they they walked off and the fire was still going. Moe then suggests maybe we can get Lisa, turn her into a man. And then Homer yeah. no, she's a vegetarian. <laughs> Oh, jeez, oh, Homer. Jeez. It's the second jeez. Yeah. You guys ain't cousins, are you? <laughs> Mo then notices Santa's village and he has an idea. Um, then we cut to Marge and Lisa and Maggie and John. And John's questioning Lisa, like, where do they go? Do they say what time they're going to be back? This was purely to set up as to how John would know where to find them and save the day at the end. Hmm. They then wake up Bart and they want him to shoot the reindeer. Uh, who would want to shoot a reindeer? <laughs> be a sport and kill Blitzen. Bart doesn't want to, and he cries because if you're a ten-year-old kid, you would not want to do this, and you would start crying. I, d- I just think I, th- I thought in this moment here, Homer went beyond being just a mean homophobe. He became cruel. Uh, yes, he did, Very forcing like- his son to the point where he's crying, and he didn't want to hear about. It. He's like, "Stop crying, be a man, and just shoot that thing." He was very cruel in that moment. I didn't he was quite like it. And again, what hurts about that is that I'm sure that that sort of cruelty has existed and happened to a lot of people in the world and that is that makes it harder to watch so they turn around and they hear what they think is a gun going off when really it's just the reindeers getting very Mm. pissed off i should sorry i uh, again i'll clarify by the way i don't mind that the episode did it i don't mind that the show put something in that was difficult to watch i just mind that they did it with homer yep Uh, like i said that the reindeer are now very very pissed off Homer does redeem himself here to an extent. Um, so they surround Bart and Homer because uh, Mo and Barney run off and hide like cowards underneath. Well, smart, I guess, protecting themselves. They hide underneath the, the troughs and whatnot. This moment here, I don't know about you, did it remind you of Halloween of Horror? Where Bart says, Dad, I'm scared. Me too, son. Oh, I, yeah. thought it was a, I thought it was a beautiful moment. A little bit, yeah. It just it was a real moment. Like, th- that's yeah. exactly what would happen. And yeah, like a dad would put his body on the line despite how... No matter how slim the odds are, you're just going to fight 
for as long as you can to keep your kid alive. Yeah, and as as funny as it is, you know, the visual of Homer getting rammed around with the reindeers, it's it's visual comedy. Yeah. The character was willing to risk his life to save Bart. Mm. That was a redeeming quality of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Homie, are you okay? Just my bones. <laughs> yeah. I've been tenderized. But then who rocks up and saves the day, Mitch? Uh, Santa Claus. Santa Claus, the cruel master. Mm. I've never looked at Santa like that, but John has opened my eyes. <laughs> Barney and Mo then uncover themselves. I'll do anything you say, Mr. Gay Man. Anything. <laughs> oh, you that, know what? Actually, that... I reckon this is what drives a lot of homophobia, and it's one of the things that uh, annoys me. The assumption that because a guy is gay, he's going to want to sleep with any other guy, mm. like, that is like... That's possibly one of the biggest fears. And you hear it all the time with AFL. Like, oh, well, what's it going to be like in the change rooms if you know someone's gay? You're like... It's exactly the same as it was yesterday before you knew he was gay. You're his friend, not his fucking boyfriend. Oh, Mo! We were saved by a sissy! Yeah, yeah, we'll never live it down. Oh, boy, it looks like it's suicide again for me. Hey, we owe this guy, and I don't want you calling him a sissy. This guy's a fruit, and a... No, wait, 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 queer, queer, queer! That's what you like to be called, right? Well, that or John. This is about as tolerant as Dad gets, so you should be flattered. Great. Well, Homer, I won your respect, and all I had to do was save your life. Now, if every gay man could just do the same, you'd be set. Amen to that. But anyway, so Homer then tells Bart that he can live however he feels. He's, he's accepted Bart. It doesn't matter anymore. And then Bart's confused. Like, what is he talking about? And that, that's the joke. The joke is that Bart's been oblivious this entire time, that Homer's actually been worried. Uh, Lisa mentions to him he thinks he's gay. And I'm not quite sure they should have ended it with Bart being... Is he shocked in the sense that he's just shocked by it or is he bothered by it? Like, what do you think that the, the angle was they were going for with that I think delivery? I, th- I don't think it's bothered. I think it's more of a where the hell did that come from? Yeah, and that, that's the way it should be, hopefully, yeah. Because I think it's fine to be surprised. Like, as much as if you were flamingly gay and someone thought you were straight, I think you'd be able to be like, what? <laughs> like, I, there's there's nothing wrong with that response. Definitely not. Now, I'm, I'm, you mentioned before, people have asked you if you're gay a million times. Are you just not shocked by it anymore? <laughs> no. No, I never was. <laughs> I know that I'm, you know, I have some effeminate ways. Uh, you know, it's funny. So, we went out for lunch a couple of weekends ago. It might have even been last weekend. No, it was a couple of weekends ago. And one of our friends, Grace, asked you how your burger was. Hmm. Most men would just be like, oh, yeah, it was good. You went in to describe each ingredient and why it was delicious. <laughs> Apart from <laughs> and the how bun. It, and how each ingredient balanced itself out with the other ingredients. I think I told her <laughs> that I was concerned that the bun didn't have the, the structural integrity required to sort of hold all of the toppings. And I was correct. <laughs> <laughs> I, I needed to finish that burger with a knife and fork. Uh, but all in all, this episode is so much better than I remember it being. This is, I think it's been one of my favourite episodes to review, to be honest. It was great. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was a overall a really, really, really good episode and it lives up to what you want it to be. Like, you want this to be a touchstone that never dates and largely, certainly on the, fr- on the idea of bringing the conversation and topic of homosexuality and acceptance into the room, the, it... it hasn't dated in that sense. It's actually kind of sad, though, in a way that a lot of what Homer says are still tragically relevant. The key for this to make it such a success and make it such a great episode was that John was never the butt of any of the jokes. Correct. Um, he was... I mean, he's dispensing them. 
but just a little bit of sass, not too much. Enough. Yes. You've got to have some sass. What did we learn, Palmer? So what did you learn from the episode, Mitch? Um, I learned killing a man, fix someone right up. That is true. I learned that, Mitch, you are the living end. I mean, if you'd told me I was the living end 20 years ago, I'd have been happy with that. <laughs> now you're now you, uh, past that prime rock band from Australia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jamil! Jamil is here! Ooh. Okie dokie, Mitch, before we get into today's mailbag, it is the first first podcast of the month. First or second, it's close to it. It's, been, it's close to the start of the month, which means it is time to draw our prize winners, our Patreon prize winners, Mitch. Do you want to reach deep into that prize draw and pull out two names? The first name is going to be the second prize winner, which wins a fry pot vinyl figure. Mm-hmm. Reach deep in there, Mitch. And we have uh, Lydia Burnsmeyer Rollo, who I believe hails from the hearty cold land of Canada. Ooh, I believe they collect pot vinyls all the way up there in Canada. I'm sure she's going to enjoy this fry pot vinyl. Uh- uh, I'm sure she will. It is, is the Fry... Describe the Fry Pop vinyl quickly, Dando. What's the outfit? The outfit is the outfit that Fry wears all the time, Mitch. The <laughs> red jacket with the white shirt with the orange hair. I think these pops were one of the earlier ones, so they're not as okay. detailed as the ones that come out these days, but still, they're the only Futurama pops that exist, so I'm oh. pretty sure Lydia, she likes The Simpsons, she likes Futurama, she's a patron, she's going to like this pop vinyl. That's pretty cool. Uh, is Fry smiling in the pop? Uh, the pops don't smile because they've got no mouths. Uh, they will when they get to Canada. Yes, that is true. Uh, um, all right. Now, uh, the major winner, what are we giving away? We're giving away another one of those nine-inch Kid Robot Devil Flanders vinyl figures valued at $100. So, if you win this, you're going to be very, very happy. Reach deep in there, Mitch. Who you got? Um, I'm sorry. I wasn't sure that I, you wanted me to reach into the prize drawer somewhere else. Uh, <laughs> so, I just went both hands. I wonder what um, that was. We have got uh, from the nation. Tell me to bite the pillow next time. Continue from, from the nation's capital, uh, Aaron Palazzo. Aaron Palazzo, congratulations, sir! Thank you. These very double much. Flanders figures are absolutely fantastic. But if you didn't win, don't worry. There's going to be another prize draw next month. But mm-hmm. I just want to, to mention uh, this to once both, again. Sorry, both Aaron and Lydia, please um, message us yeah. with some postage details. Yeah, send us an email to mailbag at fourfingerdiscount.com.au with prize winner in the subject. Yep. That way we'll get your prize out to you ASAP. Don't go trying to... to trick us, anyone else out there. <laughs> we will be checking. I just want to thank you guys once again for your support. It is so much appreciated. I just want to let you guys know that you guys paying your money each and every month, it is just incredible. I just I cannot thank you guys enough. And myself as well. And Mitch, we're going to be giving some of our donations to charity each month now, aren't we? We are, yeah. We've been looking into the Give Where You Live campaign, which is, uh, they're actually uh, they're a really cool charity that look after a lot of different groups, um, a lot of different minority groups. So there's like, some of it be aged care, there's disability work, there's um, stuff with homelessness, there's infrastructure, there's, you know, helping out young mums, um, so much uh, really, really cool stuff that they do for the local community. Uh, so they're a good way of sort of like you give them money and then they funnel off into the areas that need it. And outside of that for this month, um, Movember, uh, I'm I'm working on a Tom Skerritt-inspired mustache. He's Viper from Top Gun, for those that don't know. Uh, Joe Danaher-inspired? No, no, Tom Skerritt-inspired, that's all. He's, <laughs> it's the one and only mustache, in my opinion. Uh, we're seven days into that. I think I have currently raised somewhere in the vicinity of $800. And quite a big portion of that came from Four Finger Discount patrons. So, um, well done to you all. We'll I'll be throwing in 
quite a lot. I, I wanted to say that I'd match for dollar for dollar, and then I was worried that that would get to a point that I actually just physically couldn't afford, and I didn't want to lie to anyone. But I'll be throwing in as much as I possibly can from what comes out of uh, from what comes through this month. So um, thank you very much. We you know it's you guys do brilliantly by us, and we wanted to try to use some of that goodwill and help out our community as well. Now, Mitch, we've been going for quite a while. Yeah, I've got babies crying and. Things to be done. We'll do one question from the mailbag. Throw one at me. What do you got? Well, one email. It's one Simpsons question, one general question from Kieran McCauley. Hey, Mitch and Dando. Just wanted to say that I absolutely love the podcast and recently became a patron. Thank you very much. Thanks, man. Thanks, Kieran. Listen to it all the time when I'm out walking the dog. And it also helps him get him through uni work. He has two questions. Number one, how do you feel about the announcement that they're making a second Simpsons movie? I'm really excited. I'm not. But, I mean, I'm hopeful, but the last one was kind of okay. Like, it was an okay movie. I'll still watch it by, like, don't get me wrong, I'll still watch it, but I'm I'm going to be probably sceptical until maybe a trailer comes out and or until I see a little bit of, you know, is it just, just, is it, I just want it to be good. But diminishing returns with comedies, generally, like, if the first movie wasn't knock your socks off, then... I don't know how the second one will be. I would like it to be lean. Like, whereas in the first one, they got everyone involved and they got everyone to throw ideas at the wall. I'd like it if they just pick three people, like pick whoever they think their three best writers are and say, go make your Simpsons movie. So you're saying it needs to be written by Mitch and Dando? No, 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 no. I'm saying it needs to be written by the staff. No, no, no. It needs to be written by Mitch and Dando. the, The first one was done in a lot of ways... To pay fan service, like that, it was. It almost became like a box checking exercise. Of was what, it though? In a way, it, like every character's in it, and there's a lot of bits and pieces that they wanted to make sure that everyone got their little bit to do. It's character service. I'm not sure if it's fan service. Little bits, yeah. I'll, I'll give you that, but I don't think the whole thing was fan service. Just wanting to get every character into the episode, into the movie, doesn't mean it's fan service. It does a little bit. Fan service would have had Hank Scorpio as the main villain. Uh, fan service was. Well, yeah, okay, but you know what I mean. Like the point is, I, I, do, I do what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just don't stress about doing everything. Just stress about doing a few things perfectly. Which is why I'm excited for the new one because I feel like there was too much expectation for that first one to, for it to be a great movie. They, like you said, because they want they were worried about trying to please everybody. Mm. Where this one, they can stress less and just try and put together a good, entertaining Simpsons story. Yeah, and I hope it goes that way. But my gut is that it might go the way of Looney Tunes back in action. That it's going to be a movie that comes out past its relevancy and it's just going to fade away pretty quickly. When's the last time we had an a animated film that wasn't CGI? That wasn't CGI. Um, oh, there was one relatively recently. The Princess and the Frog. That was still a while ago. It was good. 2008, was it? 2009. Nine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and outside of that, there's a couple like... Not not massive movies. Oh, Winnie the Pooh, two thousand and eleven. There was a Winnie the Pooh film. Really? Yeah, I was. Um, I watched that on Foxtel the other day. Actually, that wasn't at the cinemas, was it? Uh, I think it might have got a cinematic release. Okay, fair it enough. Was reviewed by Empire. I really think that the second film will be better than the first for the reasons that you mentioned, where they won't have to worry about pleasing everybody and just do a good story. Mm. Uh, I'll tell you, just on. A side note, The Illusionist, which is a movie that came out in 2010, is a really beautiful animated movie that's uh, all hand-drawn. 
Um, so that's after Princess and the Frog, then? It was, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, the, the general question from Kieran. Um, yes. Is there any advice that we'd give to someone starting their own podcast? Mine is only answer one question per email. I would be... It depends on the type of podcast, but just say, for example, you wanted to start a Seinfeld podcast. I wouldn't listen to the other Seinfeld podcasts because then you'll find yourself... And that's Maybe it's just me, but then you'll find yourself going... All right. Well, they're doing it. We should probably be doing that as well. I think if you're mm. if you're going to be starting a podcast about a specific niche, just do a show that you would find entertaining, that you enjoy doing, and that you would enjoy listening to. Do the show that you would want to listen to, and you'll have no worries because your passion will come through. Yeah, I agree with all of that. And uh, like in general, don't don't really give too much of a shit about feedback. <laughs> would be uh, it, it, <laughs> give like, a little bit of shit to it, but like don't. Don't, don't worry. Don't, if some, not, don't worry if not everyone likes what you're doing. Yeah, that was more what I meant. Like you're not going to please everyone, so don't don't be too upset. Just as long yeah, as you're yeah. pleasing enough people, that's all that you need to do. Do you think we're pleasing enough people? Well, you know, st- statistics would say yes. <laughs> Survey says. Survey says. Alrighty. So hope you enjoyed our review of Homer's Phobia. Next week we're going to be reviewing. Dun, 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 brother from another series. Yay. Uh, and just as a little shout out for the future, we'll have James O'Mullen, who has re- um, sent in a voicemail that uh, we're going to play out on that one. Yes. Um, he gives a special do. shout out to our friend, Gearoid. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, guys. Thanks for listening. Mitch, any final words for the listeners? Oh, Jesus. I almost forgot that I, that's the thing that I do. Um, just give us a zap. Give us your best zap. Zap.